Hey everybody, welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is my good friend and amazing co-host, Jonathan Strickland. Maybe I should have reversed that. Amazing friend and amazing co-host, Jonathan Strickland. Wow. I, I just like to think I'm I'm everything to everybody. Also, it's the podcast so nice we decided to record it twice. Yup, because my computer decided to restart. Do do do. One of these days, Ariel, I swear. One of these, one days. Of these days, it will be a tech problem-free recording. But it will not be this day. But you know what they say in theater, uh, bad dress rehearsal, great show. So maybe it's just uh, technical problems, great episode. <laughs> yeah, we just didn't. Yeah, I was about to say, we just didn't know that what we were doing before was a dress rehearsal. Uh, yeah. Well, one thing we want to start off with is that we've been receiving some great messages from you guys, you you wonderful listeners. When I say guys, I'm being completely uh, uh, inclusive here. Everybody out there who's been sending us messages. It's been fantastic. Uh, we hope that those of you who are in the United States and who celebrate Thanksgiving had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we hope the rest of you had a great Thursday. Yes. Last week, we we are thankful for you regardless, uh, and we love your episode suggestions. Uh, today's not going to be one of them, but we do have them on our short list for future episodes. Yeah, it turns out that this week we have, as has happened in the past, way too many stories to cover. We didn't think that was going to be the case. And then yesterday happened and uh, <laughs> and a whole bunch of stuff came out all at once. So we've got a, a fairly packed episode, which means that we also have a returning segment of 30 seconds or less. That's our official <laughs> starting music. We've got music that goes behind Gosh, each on. segment, but that's that's the music that we use to introduce it. That's it. I'm just going to cut that and use that over and over. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, don't do that to people. Well, our first 30 seconds or less story will be Ariel explaining to us something. So, Ariel, are you ready? I'm ready. And go. All right. So I'm going to talk slow because there's not much to say about this one. We got news uh, this week on Mandalorian Season 3. We now have a release date. That release date is March 1st, and the whole internet rejoiced. <laughs> well done. When we did that the first time, Ariel was finished in 10 <laughs> seconds. This time it took you twice as long. Um, Yay! So so are you excited about The Mandalorian coming back? Um, I think much like you, which people didn't get to listen to, um, I wish that they hadn't brought the Mandalorian into the book of uh, Boba Fett, but I understand why they did because they sure needed to do something. That show was rough. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, I think if you're looking at the discourse on Star Wars series, Andor is being held up as like the best of the best. And I think book of Boba Fett is being held as one of the, like the worst, worst of, the, of worst. the worst. Uh, and yeah. yeah, we got that one Mandalorian centric episode of Book of Boba Fett. And then, of course, he showed up for the rest of it. And I kind of wish they had not reunited Mando and Grogu at that point. Yeah, I'm going to say something. It's controversial. I realize we're in 30 seconds or less and now we've gone twice as long, which we said we weren't going to do, but we're doing. Um, I think Mandalorian's better than Andor. There, I said it. Interesting. Can hate me. 
I have not, I've not watched Andor yet, so I can't comment, but I just know that I've, I've heard a lot of positive things about that series. Okay. Uh, now I will say <laughs> the Andor being the prequel to Rogue One, I don't like Rogue One as much as a lot of other people do, but, mm-hmm. uh, that that's a discussion for another time. Instead, yes. I'm going to just go ahead and jump into our next little 30 seconds or less segment and go. Okay, so we didn't report on this, but back in September, in fact, I didn't even know this, but Marvel said goodbye to the director of the upcoming Blade film. Um, he stepped down because of uh, artistic differences. Now, French director Jan Demange is taking over the 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 job and there's a new screenwriter michael starbury so they are starting from scratch but they're trying to hold on to the release date and done uh they're filming in 2023 in atlanta i'm hoping to get an audition cross your fingers for me yeah (laughs) yeah i um last little thing i'll say about this is that wow what a huge deal right to like Mm-hmm. totally lose your director and writer and start over and still try and keep to your release date uh, really makes you wonder if that post credit sequence in Eternals is still going to make sense. Probably <laughs> That's not. That's a joke. <laughs> okay. You ready for your next one, Ariel? Yep. And go. All right. Uh, we are getting a spinoff of John Wick based off of Angelica Houston's character in John Wick 3. Uh, the spinoff's going to be called Ballerina. Anna de Armas is also in it. Um, and yeah, it's already, I think, in production or pre-production or something like that. So the ball is already rolling. Just what you like. That's fine. I like Angelica Houston um, and I like uh, to watch uh, women kick butt. So I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that ringing endorsement is the I... sound of, of Ariel having... Probably enough pure action films, because that's at least maybe I'm projecting. That's how I feel. I super loved John Wick one, minus the animal stuff, because animal endangerment, as we all know, makes me anxious. Minus the thing that sets the whole story in motion. (laughs) But I love good stunts. I love good fight choreography, which, of course, John Wick had. Um, The second one wasn't as strong. The third one wasn't as strong. I haven't watched. The third one's the last one. Okay, we're getting a fourth one. Uh, I haven't watched all of the third one. So um, that, yeah, that I, tells you how much the subsequent movies meant to me. Um, yeah, I, I I I have things to say about John Wick, but we'll save it because this is 30 seconds or less. I don't want to. I'm, f- I'm already <laughs> extending every single one of these beyond that. So, yep. all right. Next up and go. So many of you may have already heard this, but Albert Pune, a filmmaker who was known mostly for making really kind of schlocky, low-budget, direct-to-video cult films sadly passed away recently. Uh, His health had been failing. He directed films like The Sword and the Sorcerer, which was one of my favorites. Uh, I love that movie. He also directed a Captain America movie, which is hysterical because Captain America keeps stealing cars through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, rest in peace. Yeah, our our thoughts go out to his family. Um, Ready for the next one? And go. All right, Top Gun is flying back into theaters, which is what I wrote, and maybe that's what the article says too. Anyhow, they're re-releasing for two weeks in December. From the 2nd to the 15th, it'll play at 1,850 locations. Um, The movie did really well the first time it was in theaters. I didn't watch it. Um, I like the original Top Gun fine. Um, I didn't watch this new one. I don't know 
if it will have enough traction to get that much more money from being re-released. Like oh, a re-release always seems like a pretty tricky thing to me. You you went so over by like two Jonathan. seconds. Two seconds, Ariel. I just I can't I can't mm-hmm. even with you. <laughs> okay. Well, I then also, on to the next. I also have not seen the latest Top Gun, but I I again I've only heard good things. Everyone who saw it seems to have loved it. All right, final one and go. So you might remember that Margot Robbie talked about how the female-focused Pirates of the Caribbean film was dead in the water, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a whole mashup making playing mm-hmm. on, the, on that idea. Uh, well, Jerry Bruckheimer says maybe not. Uh, they are developing a different Pirates of the Caribbean film right now, but he said that there's no reason to... to believe that the other one won't resurface at some point the end yes um don't know if margot robbie would be involved at that point but it is at least possible that we will get that movie in the future i mean if it's her script um and they want to use it yeah but i get it if they're if they had two movies and they're like well we think this one's gonna do better or we're further in the process of this one like they're gonna go with the known quantity more than likely Um, so Jonathan and I both did a lot of really geeky things or at least geeky, geeky media intake over the holidays. And we just wanted Mm. to, um, chat about it a little bit because most of it did not overlap. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because we, we kind of listed out stuff that we had watched. Now, in one case, I saw something that Ariel watched ages ago, which was Werewolf by Night, the, uh, Mm -hmm. the MCU, um, horror adjacent uh, 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 video on, on uh, Disney plus. And uh, I loved it. I, I was, I was so surprised by it because I think I was expecting it to have a more like dark tone to it. And it really doesn't. I mean, there's some there, don't get me wrong. There's violence in werewolf by night, some pretty extreme mm-hmm. violence in some cases, but the tone is still a li- it's a, almost a little campy and um and the the appearance of man thing aka ted was delightful yeah i um i think i said this before it feels exactly like a, an old 1930s pulp movie to me where it's got some of the comedy um it does have a lot of violence it doesn't have a lot of gore though they were much like its predecessors uh in old horror movies they kind of did camera tricks to avoid most of the gore, um, Mm. which I appreciated. I did feel some of the characters were like Gotham, not all playing in the, on the same level field as far as like Mm. where their character uh, campiness came from. But unlike Gotham, I really enjoyed it. (laughs) I get what you're saying. Yeah. When, when you feel like, you're looking at characters who are inhabiting different versions <laughs> of the MCU, but all in the same video. And you're like, um, can we get some tonal consistency here? I, I get it because it does feel weird. Like pretty much everyone outside of the, the, the two arguably three protagonists uh, have varying degrees. Uh, and I, I, I totally agree with you with that. Uh, something else I saw, but you have not yet seen, is the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy holiday special, which yeah. um, I, I highly recommend. If you have Disney Plus and you have not watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, 
high recommendation from me. I am. Um, it is on my list. I was going to do it this week. And then my husband said, hey, we're decorating for Christmas this weekend. How about we save it for that? Because usually when we're decorating for Christmas, we're like, what are we going to put on? And it always ends up being National Lampoon's Christmas vacation, which fine. Uh, once it was Gremlins and once it was Home Alone. But usually it ends up being <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas vacation because that's what gets uh, my partner in the holiday spirit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I definitely think that this is one you need to watch, watch, like I'm, pay attention to. I think we will. I think what's going to happen is we're going to decorate and then we're going to put it on to continue the, the holiday spirit. Um, Got it. Yeah. Uh, I will say without giving anything away, I will say it was nice to have a, a story where Mantis really gets to shine. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, so, I, I love Mantis's character. So you're going to, you're going to love her. You're going to love her so much more after this special. I trust me. I don't, I don't think that's possible. Oh, it'll happen. I'll talk to you next week and you'll say, Jonathan, you were right. I do love her even more. Um, all right. And the last thing I have to bring to kind of our catch up is uh, shortly after our last episode, because obviously we took a week off for Thanksgiving, uh, I got to go see the menu. And in case any of you were kind of debating on seeing the menu and you were wondering, well, am I going to like it? Am I not? I loved the menu. Uh, it has kind of a thriller aspect to it. And also, if you have ever gone to any kind of trendy, fancy restaurant where they take a lot of time to describe the dishes to you in detail, you will find the satire in this movie to be on point. It is dark. It is. There is some violence in it. Not that much gore. There's a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, There's some pretty horrific things that happen, but most of it is left up to the audience's imagination. And um, yeah, that's all you need to know, because the less you know about this movie, the better you are going, the more you're going to enjoy it. Interesting. Um, I might give it a shot. Um, I'll probably wait till it comes to my Netflix, much like uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And although that might already be out and um, also uh, Glass Onion, because I wanted to see that in theaters, but I did not get a chance to. All of my friends Same. who saw it in theaters said, said, you really need to see it with a big group of people. And I just... I had I had a very large gathering of uh, family for Thanksgiving and um, did not get to go see it. Yeah, but and at I least will. at least a few of those people who were at your your house were of an age that would not have been receptive to a murder mystery movie. So you couldn't just exactly. put everybody in a bus and go to the theater. Exactly, exactly. Um, however, my house guests um, who who were, you know, tween tweenagery uh did watch a couple episodes of wednesday with me um the adams family spinoff so much like a lot of media that comes out it was it was you know very high school based um like high school protagonist based um which is fine it's totally fine um for that i thought it was a lot of fun i really think the actress who plays wednesday wednesday is phenomenal um yeah there, there, there's an iconic dance scene going around the internet. I haven't gotten to that episode yet. I've only watched the first two. Uh, and I just love it because 
she the actress who plays Wednesday choreographed it and she really took pains to research and bring in uh like dances that the original Wednesday Adams did in the television show and stuff like that or Gomez Adams did and and so it's kind of a love letter to the history of the Adams family and I really like it um and, and like the teen drama is fine it's actually not too bad I will say that uh I felt, and I, I feel bad even saying this because I love her as an actress, but I felt Catherine Zeta-Jones was just missing something as Morticia. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen some uh, like conversation happen on TikTok where they think that maybe it's that Gomez was failing a little bit. And since Morticia plays off of Gomez, that that's why she, I felt like she was a little too low key. And it's not that Morticia isn't low key, but like she always has like a little I don't know zip or well, she's got she's got an intensity to her and yeah. if the intensity is not there then that's a problem um but again i've only seen the first two episodes so it's possible that my opinion of that will change yeah um, I, I, the the reviews i've seen so i have not seen any wednesday yet except for the dance sequence i've seen that because mm-hmm. <laughs> because that went so viral and i'm not on tiktok but it showed up on youtube yeah so i watched it there uh and i love the well first of all they they put the cramps song goo goo muck into the show. So automatically I was like sold because the cramps, are you kidding me? Uh, but then <laughs> uh, the, the dance sequence is fantastic. It's got like, it's got like some broken doll energy going on in there. And then like, there are those little dance sequences where you're like, Oh, this is, this is an homage to like Raul Julia and uh, Angelica Houston in the, 90s Adams family movie. So yeah, it's um it's a uh, uh it looks really interesting, but like the like you said some of the reviews I saw suggested that the family dynamic among the Adamses doesn't quite feel right. That Ortega mm-hmm. as Wednesday is killing it, but that yes. the Adams family as a unit doesn't quite live up to expectations. But that's based upon what other people have said. Like I said, I have not yet yeah. watched it. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't offensive. They didn't, like I said, it didn't quite hit with me on the family dynamic, but it wasn't offensive. Uh, the the cramp song is very similar to the song that the very little, like, young Wednesday Adams dances to when she's trying to teach Lurch to dance. Not when she's trying to teach him ballet, but when she's trying to teach him, like, the shuffle or something like that. Yeah, I forget um, what the name of the the dance was, but I, I know what episode you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and that's she puts that dance in her dance number two. So um, it's it's great that they used a similar sounding piece of music. Uh, the I watched two other things uh, this week um, that were geeky, and one was the first episode of Willow, which is out on Disney Plus, which I absolutely adored. Again, young adult drama because of course that's that's their target audience right but it was really good um i thought i felt that the characters especially the supporting characters had a lot of depth to them and were not one note they they were like well-rounded and interesting and like i found myself thinking about their motivations and i loved it um it's beautiful the costuming is amazing the only complaint that uh my tony or i have is that the song they played over the end credits felt incongruous with the rest of the episode it felt out of place but it was over the end credits so who really cares <laughs> yeah i also thought it was weird that they got the cramps goo goo muck to play over the end credits of willow 
I guess they're just trying to get as much uh, traction on their old uh, music as possible, like uh, like uh, like uh, Master of Puppets did. I almost said Aerosmith. That is not Aerosmith. <laughs> no, you're talking about like Metallica. Um, so yeah. y'all, if you're really curious, by the way, I, it was slight slight uh, tangent here. Goo Goo Muck, great song. The Cramps did a great job. It is a cover. You can go look up the original. Ronnie did it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, also a great song, but, uh, but not the one that played over the credits of Willow. I imagine I still haven't seen Willow. I'm looking no. forward to seeing it, but, um, yeah. So what was it like a modern song playing over the credits? Yeah, it was a modern song. Some of the lyrics kind of fit what happened in the first episode. So I get it, but like, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. The, the the show ended on one tone and then you had this very different tone piece of like modern music afterwards. And sometimes it works, but I don't know. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. But that being said, it's end credit music. So does it really matter for purposes of the quality of the show? I guess not. It's just, I think part of the problem is that I'm thinking of the film Willow and that was all like either soaring movie score type music or uh, diegetic like folk music like it was what the mm. the the little peoples were playing the ones that are uh yeah. diminutively referred to as pecs by all the bad people in the in the film but yeah, yeah they they had their little folk music that would play and that's what was playing over the end credits at the beginning anyway of willow and then it goes into the full theme so for me like i again i haven't seen the series yet but that would probably make me do a double take as well. Yeah. Um, but thankfully it wasn't throughout the, the episode. I really enjoyed the episode. Oh, but speaking of, I, I, we're also, you know, watching three rings of power, which is not news to anybody listening. Cause I've talked about it before, but the, the freaking bear McCreary, like, Harfoot song I love I love so much and I know every Redfest performer is going to do it and I'm fine with that because I love the song so much uh yeah. for anybody who's watching you know what I'm talking about that guy works let me tell you Bear McCreary yeah he gets, he gets work he gets work and he does it well I really like his his musical stylings um and then the last thing I watched uh you know it's gonna be for a real niche uh section of our listeners is Dimension 20's new campaign came out Never After which is like their horror fairy tale um and there was some scary bits and there was some like gory bits but overall it was really funny and fun and i look forward to watching the season so So that's a that's a real play role-playing series right Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah i don't i don't know if they're doing roll 20 or ravensloft or whatnot but um or fifth edition or rather or uh, but some of those actors, uh, Brian Murphy and Emily Axford, and then another person who's been on, um, actually do a podcast. that's not another D and D podcast. They're actually in Atlanta this weekend, Atlanta and Savannah performing and they're completely sold out. Oh, completely wow. Tangent aside. Yeah. Well, bummer that they're sold out. Uh, I tried mm-hmm. selling out, but no one will pay me. Okay. Let's move on <laughs> to the news. So you know, Yay. obviously we were off last week, as I think I've probably said multiple times. I don't know, because uh, honestly, well, this recording session has legitimately spanned half a day at this point. But um, we didn't get a chance to cover huge, huge news in the entertainment world 
where Bob Chapek, the former, now former CEO of the Walt Disney Company, uh, stepped down uh, or was told to step down or was fired, depending upon which version you you like which to article use. You read. Yeah. yeah. And Bob Iger, the CEO who was in charge of Disney before Chapek, who actually chose Chapek as his successor, has come back to once again take charge of Disney. This had an enormously positive impact among a lot of Disney employees or cast members, if you prefer, if you're talking about mm -hmm. the parks, who felt like this was a good move. There's been a lot of back and forth uh, in the press about what this yeah. actually means, whether or not it's good, whether or not the problems that Disney has been going through were in fact begun under Iger and then Chapek just failed to shepherd it properly or whether they were Chapek's fault. So there's a lot of discussion and disagreement going on about this, but generally speaking, uh, the reaction I've seen has been a fairly positive one to Bob Iger's return. Yeah. Which is interesting because I thought people were kind of happy when he left. Um, <laughs> but I guess when you do a comparative thing, um, yeah, when the devil that, you don't know. Yeah, he said that, you know, some of the things that Chapek put into place are going to continue like the hiring freeze, at least for now, because we still are in the economy we're in, you know, um, but he's mm -hmm. trying to fix what he can is what he says. But one of the rumors that came out during that time is that Apple was going to buy Disney. And I was like, please, no. <laughs> yeah, this has been but this has been a rumor that's been around for like on and off for a really long time. And I think. I think it stems from some faulty reasoning because Apple is uh, rich in that that company has all of the monies, you know, a trillion dollar company. And mm -hmm. Steve Jobs obviously had a relationship with Disney because Steve Jobs uh, was the guy who Pixar was founded under. So yeah, there's there's we talked about that on business on the brink. We did. We did a whole episode about Pixar and we talked about uh, how Steve Jobs was kind of instrumental in the uh, in the producer side of Pixar and yep. then ultimately shepherded it to the point where it could be uh, merged into the mouse house. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know that I've ever seen any indications that Tim Cook, who's CEO of Apple or Apple in general, has been interested in the concept of acquiring Walt Disney. I think that just ends up being people playing kind of like armchair quarterback or armchair CEO. I don't know where these ideas are coming from, apart from maybe wishful thinking on some people's behalf and uh, anxious thinking on other people's, depending upon how they would view such an acquisition. I, I also wonder if, you know, like when you're in the office place and I'll be at D Disney office workspace is very different, uh, which one of the things that Iger said is that he wants his employees to work together because he feels like creativity works better. And I kind of agree, even though I'm, I, I push back very much against making everybody go back to the office, but I kind of agree if you're, if you're in a think tank of creativity, sometimes it's easier to all be in the same room. Jonathan and I have felt that before. Uh <laughs> but that mostly comes from uh, the technical limitations that we face, like whether it's lag so that one of us finishes talking and then there's like five seconds of silence and the other one's like, yeah, that's right. Or, you know, a computer crashes 
as was the case earlier today, or a computer network goes down as was the case for the other one of us today. You know, that's yeah. really why I think, but, um, yeah, sure. I think fine, it, I fine. Think, it's not because you want to see my beautiful face in person. I mean, it's also, fine. yes, also, yes. I would much prefer <laughs> to be in the same room as you, Ariel, because we, we have, yes. we have what is called chemistry. Um, uh, but chemistry. yeah, I, I, I think, I think considering the fact that the Walt Disney company next year is celebrating a century, like it's been mm-hmm. incorporated for a century in 2023. I can't imagine that one of the things I are saying is, Hey, how can we end the century long stance of Walt Disney as a yeah. standalone company? I, I agree. I, I feel like, Maybe again, knowing how how workplace gossip goes, maybe somebody was like, "Oh, we were talking to Apple about this thing, or I got this tiny piece of information, so it must mean this huge big thing that then gets blown out of proportion and put down the the telephone chain of gossip." Yeah, um, yeah. I think again, I think again, it's a lot of people kind of doing a what if and then running on what if as if that were a real possibility. And who knows? Maybe I'm totally off base. Maybe we'll wake up tomorrow and there'll be news of Apple acquiring Walt Disney uh, company, Uh, but but I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, I personally think that what if should be um, relegated to the realms of Marvel. Me too. Hey, why don't we talk about Marvel? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, So uh, this week we got a bunch of Disney trailers kind of back to back to back. And one of them was for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I might have a different response to it than the majority of people, honestly. It kind of looked sad and not as fun to me. Uh, you do not have a different response to the majority of people, because if you do any searching on Twitter for reactions to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer, you'll see a lot of people already clenching their their fists and 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 wringing their hands in worry over their favorite characters because the trailer does make it look like this is the this is the the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy as a series which we already knew at least in its mm-hmm. current incarnation it's going to be over and James Gunn is done after this one right he's over at yeah. DC at this point so yeah. this is it we also know that Batista said he is retiring from the role of Drax after this one. So there's a very good possibility that that's a character who's not going to make it. Um, mm-hmm. In the trailer, there's a sequence where you see that Drax has suffered a wound to his chest. Perhaps we're getting an early look at the beginning of the end of that character. We don't know. We know yeah. that James Gunn has referenced the fact that this is going to be a very sad film or at least it's going to explore the very sad backstory for rocket we don't know if rocket's gonna make it a lot of people are are terrified that rocket won't they sure make it seem like he won't in the trailer they gotta give him a happy ending they just gotta jonathan well it's james (laughs) gunn and uh, i could i I hate to tell you this (laughs) but based on some of guardians of the galaxy it's true but i mean like Okay, I'll give you my predictions of who I think may not make it. And I'll give it in order of likelihood. So the 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 one I think is most likely going to be dead 
<laughs> at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is Drax. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, number two would be Nebula and number three would be Rocket. I I hope that they give many of them happy endings, even if they don't come back, because Guardians of the Galaxy, even though it has definitely had some like heart wrenching moments, has overall been very positive and and therefore a standout to me in the Marvel universe. Um, I, I do like the look of Adam Warlock. I will say I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm grokking that I I. I think it's a good I'm casting we, choice. I'm looking forward glad to we that finally actor. got to see him. Like we've been waiting yeah. since the end of, of guardians Two to see this character. He's been incubating for years. <laughs> yes. Yes. And his egg is finally hatching. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, before we run on, I, I just want to say, I, I imagine we are going to see uh, at least some of the characters make it through because I would be shocked if, a few of them aren't called upon to make appearances in the pair of Avengers films that are going to end phase six. Right. So mm-hmm. we know that there are going to be two different Avengers movies to close out phase six of the whole Marvel storyline. And if it's going to be similar to what we saw at the end of phase three, it means that we should expect some of these characters to make appearances as, you know, supporting cast, maybe principals even, in those films. So I, I don't think it's going to be a team wipe. <laughs> I don't think it's going to go mm-hmm. that bad, but I would I think be shocked. Mantis will survive. I sure. Listen, once you see that guardians <laughs> of the galaxy holiday special, you are going to be like, if they kill Mantis off, that is a freaking crime. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. So it's, it is a heavy looking trailer, right? But then guardians of the galaxy volume two had heavy stuff in it too. Yeah, but the trailer was much more fun. I I don't know. I I will definitely see it. I have to see it. This is one that I'm not racing to the theaters though for like especially with Rocket Anim- animal endangerment gives me anxiety and he, <laughs> the Rocket is so much more. He he's a he's he's a person just like just like all the others. So therefore you should be fine. <laughs> okay. Well, uh I'm I am uh more fine than I expected to be with an other upcoming Disney movie, which is uh, Indiana Jones Retirement Home. Uh, no, yeah, Indiana well, I was Jones about to say in the Dial of Destiny. You don't like it when animals are put in danger, but octogenarians are totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we got the trailer or teaser. Actually, we should also point out that the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three trailer is a teaser trailer, so. Maybe they yeah. really emphasize the dramatic stuff for that, but maybe future trailers will have more comedy. There was some comedy in the yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy there teaser was. too. It, it started and ended with some comedy. Yeah. And then so Indiana Jones, uh, we get the teaser for that, which actually surprised me because I hadn't been keeping up with the production. Right. So I didn't know that they were far enough along for a teaser to be shown already. Mm-hmm. Um, I, thought well i thought for one thing that it looks better than crystal skull i did not yes. like crystal skull um i i'm sure there crystal skull probably has its fans but i uh i think i wouldn't say hate because that's a very strong word but i really deeply disliked crystal skull this felt a little better to me uh although there was one line in that trailer <laughs> that 
that made me say, oh, come on out loud at my computer screen. And, and what line is that, Jonathan? I already know. But why don't, why don't you tell us? I don't believe in magic. OK, that's that's fine, Jonathan. But what was the line? That was the line. <laughs> Indiana Jones <laughs> saying, I don't believe in magic. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You have been in multiple films where the stuff you have witnessed could only be described as magical unless you think that a character being able to reach into another character's chest, pull out their beating heart as their chest seals shut and watch them still living as their beating heart is in your hand, get lowered into lava and only then do they die. If that's science, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> also, also like the, 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 it's not the Holy Grail. It's the Ark. No, it's the Grail. No, there's not the, the Grail. The and grail. There's the Ark. Yeah, yeah. They all have some supernatural level around it, but maybe in his old age, he's becoming a bit of a skeptic. Like you separate yourself <laughs> from a miraculous event long enough, and you're going to start coming up with reasons of how it practically happened. Um. <laughs> my my reaction was that, and I think I posted about this. I said that that uh, it reminded me too much of Scully in X-Files mm -hmm. being there has to be a logical reason for this. Even when you're like four seasons into the X-Files and you're like, Scully, how many times do you have to be proven wrong before you say, huh, maybe this one is supernatural. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other lukewarm takes on the trailer. Um, there one John Rice Davies is in it and I got to run a panel or two for him. He is such a, a gracious person, or at least he was, for the panels that I ran for him at Dragon Con that I'm excited to see him in something again um, and in Indiana Jones again. Uh, there, It looks like there's going to be a whole bunch of like de-aging, um, which Disney is super into right now. Uh, so a whole bunch mm -hmm. of uh, poking at your nostalgia feels and like, hey, remember when you liked this or felt this about this? Feel it again because we're showing you the same face uh, with CGI. Um, and it, I mean, it has Phoebe Waller-Bridge in it who uh, is an actress from Fleabag, which is certainly not a show for everybody. Um, but she is a phenomenal comedic actress. And I am so looking forward to her in the Indiana Jones franchise. And I hope that she is the person to pick up his mantle That'd because be cool. she would make a brilliant Indi Indiana Jones. Um, just her, her delivery, her, her level of sarcasm with like, with genuineness, um, yeah, I think, I, I think yeah, she's got I, like the perfect acting chops for it. I could totally dig that. Also, I want to just want to mention, since you mentioned your connection to John Reese davies I've acted with him. So just wanted to. Oh, yeah. And Guards, out. Guards. Yep. He was the bad guy in Guards, Guards. Spoiler alert. And I was I was a good guy. No, I didn't <laughs> share any scenes with him, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, we were in the same production together and we got to sure. I got to hang out with him a bit. It was cool. I, f I feel like that performance, because I saw that performance at Dragon Con, is kind of outside of the, the realms of uh, spoiler, even though it only more recently got um, approved for, I guess, distribution. Oh, well, yeah. The, actually, at the very beginning, we were told, you know, we were given permission to do it as long as any money that was generated from it would be donated to the orangutan uh, foundation. That was, that That's was really uh, cool. Yeah. That was, that was Pratchett's request. And so, yeah, we did a, a radio play of Terry Pratchett's guards, guards, and I played corporal Nobby knobs and uh, my dad played Sergeant Colon. So yeah, it oh. was a, 
it was it was fun and it's, uh, if you do seek out the atlanta radio theater company's recording of guards guards i will let you know ahead of time performances are uneven across the board <laughs> <laughs> there there's some people who are are fantastic because we've got john reese davies so we have a professional like actor playing an, an important role uh some of the performances are good like amateur actors i would say i fall into the good category some of the performances are enthusiastic <laughs> i yes yes uh that is usually the case um <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, but but, you know, anyway, we've got other news stories we can cover. We don't need to be name dropping or I don't need to be name dropping like this. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to name drop either. I, I just I really meant to compliment the actor. Yeah, no, you uh, really I, were. I was being like, but I also got to hang out with John Reed Davey. No, that's cool trivia, Jonathan. And and, you know, maybe one day we'll make a trivia game. If you remember this factoid, we'll send you. I don't know. Yeah. Also, uh, here's another trivia bit. One of the two hosts here was once called cute by Charlton Heston. Can you guess which of the hosts of Large Nerdron Collider was once called cute by Charlton Heston? We want to hear was your thoughts. Oswald okay. The, was it Oswald the Rabbit? Oswald the Rabbit is not one of the hosts of Large Nerdron Collider. He could be. He's a silent character, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It could be that he was bit on every episode. We just didn't know. Yeah. Why are you talking about Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? Because with Disney hitting their, you know, 100th anniversary, that's that's it, correct? 100? We just said mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, they've come up with a new Oswald the Rabbit short. Uh, Disney actually lost in, again, Jonathan and I actually talk about this on Business on the Brink on one of our Disney episodes. They actually created Oswald the Rabbit, uh, Disney and... Um, of iWorks and then lost rights to to Oswald the Rabbit and then that's why Disney created Mickey Mouse and then in 2006 they got the rights back so now we have this lovely little it is an absolutely charming short it's like a minute six seconds long mm -hmm. um I, I will post the Polygon article to our website at some point this weekend um yeah. <laughs> for you. by Monday it'll be available to you if you don't want to google it um and it's just delightful. It's a delightful yeah, it's cute. little short. It's a cute throwback to the, because it's a black and white silent. I mean, there's music, but it's a, there's no dialogue or anything in it. So it's a, a little like silent movie era style uh, animated short. And it's absolutely adorable. And um, mm -hmm. uh, it, it has enough of the nostalgic throwback to the 1920s style of animation to be charming but also has some more modern um, takes as well, like some modern uh, expressions and modern reactions mm -hmm. to stuff. Like it's, it's cute. It's a great marriage of the two. So yeah, I really, I really liked it. Yeah. I also liked the fact that it was a minute and six seconds long. Cause it, I was like, Oh man, we had to watch so much stuff for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot more than I enjoyed the Super Mario Brothers trailer even. Oh, yeah. So we got a new Super Mario Brothers trailer, an actual trailer trailer, not a teaser. Um, I, we got to hear a little bit more of Chris Pratt's Mario, including a Let's A Go. We got a Let's A Go from Chris Pratt. I'm fine with it. Uh, Sorry. 
I, <laughs> I've seen articles about how people are freaking out about how other countries are way better off with the voice actors who are picked to do Mario into their language. And I'm like, Oh man, that that's a, that's a twist of the knife, isn't so, it? I mean, for, for purposes of this is just me upsetting everybody who listens to our show, uh, this episode, I thought he sounded fine. Like I, I, I thought eh. he sounded like a perfectly acceptable, uh, version of Mario that is not super, super, um, stereotyped uh, but yeah, luigi that, also doesn't sound super stereotyped so yeah i think i think it was more that people felt that it was a low energy performance in comparison to some mm-hmm. of the voice actors from other countries honestly uh i think the teaser was more effective for me than the trailer i didn't mm-hmm. have i didn't feel like the trailer uh put the film with its best foot forward the teaser I felt had a little bit more amusing charm to it. There was some, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, seeing my girl Anya Taylor joy, it's princess peach. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. She, uh, her voice fit a lot better than I imagined it would. Um, I, but uh, honestly, I think it's just that this trailer maybe isn't for us because my, my niece and my nephews watched it and they are crazy excited for the movie. Like that's, ridiculously that's totally fair. so. Totally fair. I mean, yeah. like, it's only a character that debuted when I was a kid, and you would only think that, you know, I would have a connection with a character that debuted when I mean, like, I was alive when not just Super Mario Brothers, when the first Mario Brothers came out. Heck, I was alive when Donkey Kong came out and Mario was just called Jumpman. You wouldn't think that uh I'd have a deep emotional connection to such a character and thus feel if totally betrayed maybe if they made another live action with john legazamo in it maybe but oh uh... man (laughs) i i think do you legitimately like that movie in the same way that i like uh uh kiss of a vampire vampire's kiss or whatever it's called or the room well you and shay our mutual friend shay should get together and watch it because you two both seem to I don't know. Maybe it's the redheads I know who all like I, <laughs> Super Mario I, Brothers I like the it. movie. I I like it in that it's a bad movie that is also so bad that it's funny. It's not something that I seek out to watch. Yeah, I okay. Well, fair enough. Well, anyway, the trailer's out. You can watch it if you haven't seen it already. Maybe maybe you still have a spark of joy in you and you will really respond well to the trailer. <laughs> but it's dead inside me and I felt nothing. Did you feel anything for the Transformers Rise of the Beasts trailer? Nausea. Oh, that is that worse or better? It's That's worse. something. Uh, yes. No, the uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. OK, I have made it no secret. Anyone who knows me knows I hate the live action Transformers films. Uh, I'm, that's probably another strong word. I've only seen two of them but I hated both of them. <laughs> uh, so I haven't watched, I think I've watched the first one and then the dark side of the moon, I guess what, or dark of the moon. Hmm. That's what it was called. Right. Dark of the moon. It, um, yeah. Is, is that the one that had the knights in it? Like that was kind of medieval. No, that was the one after that. Okay. Um, no okay. dark of the moon. I hated them both. Uh, 
I actually watched Dark of the Moon for a different podcast I used to do called Podcast Without Pretense. And ah. if you want to hear Jonathan curse a lot, you can find that episode and you'll hear me really let loose on that film. Um, yeah, I don't like them. Uh, I find them incomprehensible. The transformation sequences are just visual noise to me. Like nothing seems to mm -hmm. make any sense, which really irritates me because I really like the toys. And the toys, like you saw how they had to figure out, like, how can we make this form factor into a robot and have them go back and forth? And that requires you to make mm -hmm. certain choices, right? But the films, they're like, yeah. well, this is all CGI. We don't have to do that. We we are not, we're not confined by that. So you just get these visually noisy sequences where nothing that's in motion is really making sense. And you go from one form to another. And I hated it. Um, mm -hmm. I really hated this trailer. I just, I just did. Nothing <laughs> about it appealed to me. I also should point out that I'm, I like the original run of Transformers and I was out by the time the, the beast stuff started. So Mm -hmm. I'm also the wrong demographic for this movie because the beast stuff means nothing to me. I don't know those characters. I was familiar with the earlier ones. So maybe for fans of the Transformers during the original beast stuff, the beast wars or whatever it was, maybe they will really love this. Uh, I, for one thing, I guess, I guess my biggest problem is I just don't connect with any of the characters ever. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to agree. I now have a, I've watched less Transformers than you, and I wouldn't say that I hate them. I would just say that they, I didn't find them entertaining, um, mm. and I wanted to because I also love Transformers. I love the old toys. I love the old cartoon. Even some of the older movies. Um, there's even a, a, a Transformer who was previously known as Ariel. Fun fact. Uh, uh, way back when. Um. She is not in this new Transformers movie, although RC is, who uh, has a really cool design, and I did like that. Um, but yeah, it just I haven't I haven't found the storylines intriguing enough to care, and it's sad because like this one has Anthony Ramos in it, and I think he's a phenomenal actor, and I want to care that he's in this movie, and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> And again, maybe it's a bad teaser. Maybe the next trailer mm -hmm. will make us turn around and say, oh, oh, I was totally off base because I got the wrong impression. I was making too many assumptions based on the teaser. And I'm totally open to that. I want that to happen because I want to have a Transformers film that I'm like excited to see. Uh, again, this gets to, back to to the fact that in general, big action things fall flat for me unless I care about the people in the story. And, you know, mm -hmm. like the original Transformers movies with uh, Sam Witwicky as your protagonist, as the worst human being ever makes it very mm -hmm. difficult for me to connect with the film. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with you. I also get visual fatigue because there are too many pieces, moving pieces that don't all fit together in the Transformers. Um, I've been told Bumblebee is good. I haven't seen that one, but um, I, I feel like I need to give that one a shot. I, I think out of all the ones that have been made, that's the one that I'm most likely to connect with. So, but I haven't seen it either. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I also I think I think Michael Bay, not that not that Rise of the Beast is a Michael Bay film. It's not. 
but Michael Bay did the original Transformers movies. Uh, I think Michael Bay has a point of view and a philosophy that is just not in alignment with anything that I hold important. And that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, there's the rise of another beast that I bet you are more interested in. Um, <laughs> <that> wrong, but okay. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, great. Uh, so this trailer came out the other day. Everybody kind of went crazy for it. Even like my own friend group. It's called Cocaine Bear. It's based on a a true story about kind a bear of. who kind of who ate cocaine and then um but it is very much uh, like fictionalized it's a dark comedy it looks like like scary you know bear attack stuff but also really bizarre humor like the tone is all over the place it, you know what it makes me think of it makes me think lake placid but instead of a uh, giant alligator in a lake it's a cocaine infused bear but yeah like if if betty white had survived i would uh, uh, to do more movies i would have expected her to show up in cocaine bear as her character from lake placid because um that's the kind of movie this looks like here it it does so well what did you think of the trailer you watched the trailer you saw that it has this weird tonal issue it's got like the mix of gory horror and uh weird comedy what was your reaction um i felt like the the brief scene where they show the bear talking was completely out of tone with the rest of it um i i felt it, it was inconsistent like there were some bits that just looked scary there were some bits that looked funny and scary um i suspect this is one that i will not seek out to watch but i will have a group of friends watching it for a bad movie night and i will have to suffer through it uh that being said one of the kids, one of the main kids in the movie is the little child who played Sweet Tooth in the Sweet Tooth series. And I am excited to see him do more things. So, well, that's that's good. There's that. I'm glad that you're able to find silver linings and stuff, Ariel, because I watched this and I just thought. This this feels like it's one step away from an asylum movie to me. Like It's not quite mm-hmm. to the level of asylum that like a Sharknado would almost. be. It's almost it's, it's, there. It's close. It's, it's it's like they're sitting they're sitting elbow to elbow at the bar, right? Like yeah. <laughs> Asylum and this movie. Um and and I don't feel like the people who made Cocaine Bear set out to make like you watch Asylum movies, you feel like I don't think anyone here had a vision. They just had uh, a set of bullet points that they had to hit and a and a very low budget and that's it. In the Sharknado movies, mm-hmm. I feel like their goal was let's make a really bad schlocky movie on purpose, which is why those movies don't work for me. Cocaine Bear, I don't know if they were aiming to make like a bad schlocky movie or they just wanted to make a schlocky movie and it just looks like it's not good to me. Uh, again, this is all my opinion. Nothing's wrong with anybody who thought it yeah. looks amazing and they really want to see it. I think that's great. It just didn't again, like uh, it didn't hit it anything for me. It looks better than Santa Jaws or Raptor pa- Pastor Raptor Raptor Pastor Velocipastor. I don't remember what it's called. That's like Velocipastor. Velocipastor, like it's a it's a crime that one didn't get any Academy nom- nominations. I don't. <laughs> They're making a second one. I don't know what uh, your but I don't know what your problem is here. But but go, going from white substances to white noises, uh, we 
That's a really horrible segue, and I'm so sorry. Yeah, Um, it's bad. We have another trailer for a Netflix movie that's coming out. Honestly, I saw this, the name of this trailer. I hadn't heard of it. Jonathan found it, White Noise. And I thought it was going to be a super scary trailer. And I was like, what are you doing to me? It's the Christmas season. You can't scare me, Jonathan. (laughs) And I didn't. It's not scary. Yeah, so this is is actually based off a novel. Um, The novel was by uh, Don Delilo, I think. Came out in the 80s. And... Uh, the novel is it, it uses sort of absurdist humor to look at some big ideas like things like the the concept of your own mortality and uh, uh, like lots of big, big things, but through like an absurdist humor lens. And the 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 event that the trailer really focuses on it's one element of the book it's in one of the segments um is the airborne toxic event and if you've ever heard of a band called that they got their name from this mm-hmm. uh, but there's a there's a train accident that releases this this toxic fumes into the air and requires a group uh, uh evacuation of the entire region it becomes kind of a post apocalyptic sort of thing and meanwhile you have this family that's made up. Of, it's a blended family made up of mm-hmm. two people who have each been married numerous times and have numerous children from their various marriages that are with them. They also have more children, by the way, who don't live with them. The book explains that there's like six wow. other kids that are not part of this family unit. But um, yeah, the, the it, couple are it, on their fourth marriage. <laughs> yes, uh, each. <laughs> They're yes. each. They're each each other's fourth. Uh, In the book, I think she's actually his fifth, although one of his wives he Mm -hmm. married twice. Um, So. So, yeah, it's a it's it's based off of a very weird book that that got a lot of notoriety in the 80s. Like it's the one that got this author kind of really recognized. The author had been writing for a long time before that. But this Mm -hmm. was like the breakout hit. And um you know, the trailer has Adam Driver playing the the main character. I think the novel is told in first person. So he's like the the protagonist of the film. And uh, I don't know. What did you actually think of the trailer when you saw it? I mean, I, it's got a very peculiar sense of humor and tone. Yeah, again, it's it's got kind of like this Napoleon Dynamite sort of uh, banality to it, but also uh, and like apocalypse vibes but also like uh i guess cheaper by the dozen learning to work as a family it's a lot um but it looked interesting to me it definitely looked more interesting to me than transformers uh (laughs) i honestly there was one thing about the trailer that bothered me if they're all evacuating from this airborne toxin why do they keep having their car windows down (laughs) (laughs) Ah! yeah I don't think they're I don't think they're super, uh, super focused on a realistic depiction of how you should <laughs> evacuate an area. But yeah, like uh, I agree with you. Uh, I, I, the Napoleon Dynamite comparison is one that did not occur to me. And I think you are spot on. I think it's that that almost disaffected, like you're taking one step back and trying to mm-hmm. survey everything that's happening and make sense of it while you're also going through it. And so there's this almost disassociative feeling that you're having as you're trying to navigate through the situation. That's the kind of feeling I got. So 
interesting. It also kind of, and this is another Adam driver movie. It actually reminds me a little bit in tone of the dead. Don't die, which was a, a mm. comedy zombie film with Adam driver and Bill Murray. And that one yeah. had sort of a, a meta textual element to it too. I would be shocked if white noise doesn't have something akin to that. Um, maybe even just sort of subtextual thing, but it was, uh, it's giving me some feels of that too, which just makes me kind of think that Adam driver's got, he has a type. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is one I'll probably check out, um, on some afternoon. I'm like, I don't know what I want to watch. I don't want to watch the office for the 29th time. Um, <laughs> yeah. When you can, when you can, put dress up your pets in costumes from characters from community and act out entire scripts. It might be time to adopt a new show. Oh snap. I need to start watching community again. I stopped at the Christmas episode. And I oh no, you definitely up. need to watch it. Yeah. Because we've got that movie coming out before, you know, in oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, maybe eight or nine more years. So, well, well, I guess, I guess then I just have no time to watch Darby in the dead. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, this was another trailer we got um, where we got Darby and the dead gave me kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer vibes. Um, yeah. Like, you, like if you, they you tried got, a little too hard. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like part of me thinks, is this just because we Ariel are of a certain age? And so maybe this is just a style mouth. and a pro. <laughs> no, okay. I am of a certain age and Ariel is just an old soul. And so, so like there's just, maybe there's just a different approach to these kind of, these kind of teenager stories that uh, is similar enough to what we are used to from when we were watching these kind of things, when we were less uh, wise, let's put it that way. Um, And so maybe that's why it doesn't connect quite as much, but the premise is that you have this, character Darby she is able to see dead people she she uses that phrase um, and she tries to help ghosts get to the other side she also tries to fit in in high school the uh, head cheerleader dies and needs to finish uh, her business on earth which involves having a uh, big birthday party bash thrown (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so she is haunting Darby until Darby becomes popular and is able to uh, have this party so that the head cheerleader can go off to her final rest. That, that seems to be the premise. Um, That's that. And uh, yeah, the trailer's cute. I thought. I I mean, the trailer is cute. Honestly, it gave me um, clueless vibes as well, which Mm -hmm. I did like clueless. Mm -hmm. Um, I little bit of mean girls too. Yeah. I, I, I think part of the problem for me is I didn't watch Buffy until it had already completely finished. Like I didn't mm. watch Buffy till I was an adult. Um, and so by the time I watched it, I'm like, I am an old soul. Like I started working in high school. So there's, there's a lot of like teen drama that I just never, ever connected with really. Um, and so it's, I would find it frustrating sometimes, or I'd be like, you're smarter than this. Stop whining about that. Um, <laughs> which is <laughs> very, very mean of me and not very sympathetic. Uh, but most, most teen movies I didn't like, like I I like 10 things I hate about you and I liked clueless, but then there's a whole other slew of them that just, 
I had no interest at all in when I was a kid or a teenager or a young adult. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was already an adult when Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out, right? Like I was already mm-hmm. well past high school when that show started. Uh, so I, I kind of hear you on on that as well. But, um, you know, it's this was one where I thought it looked cute. I don't I don't think it hit all cylinders either, like Darby. I don't think it quite mm-hmm. uh, uh, struck a tone with me in the same way that Buffy did when it first came out. But, um, but that again, the older I get, the more, the more uh, distance there is between me and high school. And also the more the high school experience changes from what it was when I went to high school. Like when I went to high school, there was no publicly available internet. There was no such thing as the mm-hmm. World Wide web. You know, the, the world was a the, people didn't have cell phones, let alone smartphones. So it was a very different world. And thus, yeah. the further we get away from that era, the more I'm going to find it difficult to connect with a story. I think the actress uh, who's playing Darby is doing a great job, at least from what we see in the teaser. Yeah, I will agree with that. Um, I'll probably give it a chance. I'm more excited about the uh, the high school uh, breakfast clubby uh, 80s vibe Frankenstein movie that's coming out. Um, mm. That is is Zelda Williams's debut directorial debut. But uh, but yeah, I might give this one a try. Um, something I don't I don't know if I can give a try to is if Guillermo del Toro actually makes a stop motion animated Mountains of Madness, which is what? a HP Lovecraft story. It is. And I've got good news for you. <laughs> yes. So so there was an interview that Guillermo del Toro did where he he kind of offhandedly said that one thing he would love to be able to do is do a stop motion animated adaptation of the Mountains of Madness. Then people ran with that. Now, this kind of goes back to something else we talked about earlier in this episode, but people ran with that and it quickly evolved into Guillermo del Toro is developing a stop motion animated Uh. adaptation of the mountains of madness. Guillermo del Toro himself went onto Twitter and said, no, I am not. This was just a random pull quote from an interview. I would love to see it happen, but there's no work being done on this. So he was kind of putting out the fire early on saying, I know I have this reputation. You know, he's been connected to wanting to make a a film about the mountains of madness for years. Like I remember hearing rumors about him supposedly getting into that, like more than a decade ago, maybe even two decades ago at this point, they, they have a a CGI clip, like test footage clip um, from 10 years ago. Yeah. uh, But, but, uh, but he is not actually, planning on doing that unless like some studio comes forward and says you know what cabinet of curiosities was great here's a truckload of money so i I think that's part of the speculation and you know back 10 years ago when he was looking at it it, hp lovecraft was a very hard sell to a lot of movie studios for for a bucket load of reasons um but for me, like I think Guillermo del Toro could do some really cool stuff with some H.P. Lovecraft-esque stories. Mountains of Madness just has a very unsatisfying end to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, for me, a lot of Lovecraft does, but 
He did like there were yeah. a couple of stories in Cabinet of Curiosities that were either directly adapted from Lovecraft stories or were heavily influenced by them. Mm-hmm. So it's clear he's always going to have kind of a hand in like that's always going to be an influence. And we know Guillermo del Toro. He loves monsters just like Ariel. So I, I would be shocked if we don't get some sort of adaptation at some point. Just we shouldn't be expecting a stop motion animated film, at least any time in the near future. Yeah, we have three more stories. Let's cover them super quick so that we have time to get to your mashup, Jonathan. Uh, oh, the spoiler. first is that we got a... <laughs> You said you had a surprise for me and I guessed I don't technically know. Yeah, well, that's that I'm we we said that off mic, though. Now, our oh. listeners all well, know can... that I've got a mashup. Yep. You you can cut it out. I you could, but you know out. me, I'm lazy. I'm not going to cut it out. <laughs> okay. Well, Let's okay. So everybody stories, who's listening for what? Let's do those last stories though. Yeah. But everyone who's listening, okay. just forget she said that part. Yeah. Forget like the last two and a half, three minutes. Um, okay. So we're getting uh, that 90s show. Um, the trailer just dropped. We knew we, were, we we knew we've been getting it for a while. The trailer dropped. It's still about Red and Kitty, but this time it's their grandkids coming over. Um, it actually looks a little bit sweeter to me than that '70s show did. Yeah, it does. It does look like it's some of the like ribbing between the friends appears to be toned down. It doesn't look like it's quite as mean spirited as some of the that '70s show is. Uh, I mean, Red mm-hmm. still has his his edge to him, where he wants to you know he'll threaten to kick someone's ass if they don't. Um, you know, do whatever he says or get the heck out of his way or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say, like, like I watched it and I, I thought this looks very kind of bland to me. Like mm-hmm. the, the trailer did not look particularly it didn't look bad. It just didn't look super funny to me either. Uh, and they weren't really leaning heavily into the 90s stuff, right? Like the seven that 70s show had so many jokes and references that were very much dependent upon the 70s era that 90s showed mm-hmm. the trailer we saw i mean the series might be different but the trailer did not do that like there did i didn't see no. people talk about like like grunge or any anything like that or like man they had a shortage on flannel at the local store or anything like that yeah, yeah. It, for all we know, it could have been, you know, that aughts show or the 2010 show. Um, it was mm-hmm. it was a little nondescript. I will agree there. Yeah, I mean, again, might turn out to be OK, but like uh, if, if the trailer is really representative of what the series is, I would be shocked if this gets renewed for a next season. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we just got the little bit that was available and what will actually premiere will be better. We'll have to see. Next up, yeah. we got also got a trailer for one of the Murderville murder mysteries. If you don't know, this is a series where uh, they have scripted murder mysteries, but then they bring in celebrities who are not given a copy of the script and who have to kind of navigate as an assistant to the detective as they try to solve the murder. And this one, Santa is the victim. Yes. Yes. And the special guests are Jason Bateman and Maya Rudolph. I really liked the Murderville murder mystery series. I am absolutely delighted to get a holiday special. I I cannot wait to watch this. Yeah. I, and you know, of course, Bateman and aren't Will Arnett, who's sort of the, the central figure of the series uh 
our old colleagues, friends, they've held hands in New York. It was one of my favorite bits. <laughs> Did you ever see those pictures? No, no. I they, just watched uh, Arrested Development, which they were both on. Yes, yes. So they were walking together in New York and they spotted paparazzi who were rushing to get into place to take pictures. So they held hands and pointed at apartments as they strolled down the Aww. sidewalk it is one of the most adorable things you'll ever see. The They look genuinely joyful as they walk hand in hand. So anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one too. And our last yes. story, I can't believe I hadn't heard about this, but um, we're getting a, a Britney Spears inspired musical called Once Upon a One More Time on Broadway next June. Yes, it's going to the Marquee Theater, which is currently housing Beetlejuice till January. Um, I don't know if they've got a show in between. Um, it, so this was a show, it ran for a short time, and then the pandemic happened, and it lost traction. It's it's like a fairy tale Britney Spears jukebox musical I tried to find videos of it and all I could find were like curtain call videos. Yeah. Well, cause they, they only did a very short engagement when they were workshopping essentially and in, in DC and then mm-hmm. they were supposed to go to Chicago and do kind of a preview series, which a lot of Broadway shows will do. They'll do a run in a secondary market like Chicago or sometimes Atlanta. Atlanta has been home for a few mm-hmm. of these and then it'll go on to Broadway once the show's been kind of polished and refined. Uh, But this one kind of skipped the Chicago step because of multiple reasons, including a pandemic, and now is going to open next summer. Uh, The the promotional photos make it seem like the princess characters in the series, in the the musical are, and I'm going to be really generous here, inspired heavily by Disney iconography because there's one actress who I think is supposed to be Snow White because her looks outfit a lot like Snow White. Yeah, her outfit has got like the Snow White colors. It's I told Ariel, it's a lot like these people are Disney bounding super hard. Like they're not identical to the costumes of the animated films from Disney, but it's the same color schemes and same general form factors, but then modernized a bit. Yeah, honestly, at first I was going to say I'm kind of surprised they're able to do that. But then I remembered that Britney Spears was a Mouseketeer. So, (laughs) but she supposedly has had no official involvement in this. She just she is reportedly excited about it, but didn't. Mm -hmm. She's not listed as like a producer or a writer or a contributor of any kind for this film. Uh, Although all the songs were obviously licensed because if they weren't, then they would just get sued out of existence by the the the, uh, music studios. But yeah, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of jukebox musicals in general. I, that's just not my mm-hmm. my jam. I prefer musicals where the songs are specifically written to either further the plot or give us more insight into a character rather than have a character be conformed in such a way so that a song fits whatever they're going through. Like that just doesn't work as well for me. So I'm not big on jukebox musicals. I will say, though, I am perhaps morbidly curious about this one. I I am morbidly curious. I don't know if I'm curious enough to go to Broadway to watch it or watch it the next time I'm at Broadway, but I am morbidly curious. I mean, I remember watching uh, Hit Me Baby one more time when it came to like the 
knockoff MTV public access music channel <laughs> on my antenna back when I was a kid. Um, yeah. So I do, I do have some love for those old songs. Although Britney Spears herself did not stay on my radar too long as far as pop music that I listened to. Well, yeah. Yeah. And also when you start thinking about the songs, you're like, what context is that going to work for princesses? Like hit me baby one more time has a different connotation to it or oops, I did it again. Uh, it's going to be hit me, hit me baby one more time. They're, they're playing uh blackjack, Jonathan. Okay. That's all super right, child it. friendly. Sure. That works. Super child friendly. Okay. And that that's like our epic news episode, man, this episode's going to be super long when I edit it all at the end, oh, but, uh, so sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, mostly me because I'm such a chatterbox. But uh, I did do a mashup. I did not tell Ariel beforehand that I was going to do a mashup. So uh, this is a surprise for her. It is a a mashup uh, that I did based upon um, one of the news stories we covered, as well as uh, an upcoming film. We, We well, we talked about ballerina. Uh, John Wick Mm -hmm. is thrown into here, but there's also another, there's also another uh, uh, major, major, major influence into this mashup that I'm not going to, uh, to, to tell you because I want you to Mm -hmm. discover it, Ariel, because it's a movie I know you've seen and and, uh, I don't want to tell you ahead of time. So, all right. We're going to just start. I'm not even going to tell you the title. I'll tell you the title at the end, because if I tell you the title, you know, you're going to guess it. Okay. Din Djarin, a.k.a. the Mandalorian, has a problem. He's got this crazy black lightsaber called the Darksaber of all things. And because the Mandalorian people are really into Arthurian legend, this means he is the rightful ruler of Mandalore. But you see, there's this woman who is at least 50, but she looks closer to 40, and she's named Bo-Katan Cries, and really we should talk sometime about the muddled timelines and ages of characters across different Star Wars properties, but this is not the time or place for it. Anyway, Bo-Katan has aspirations of ruling Mandalore, and she's wanted it for a really long time, and she wants to return Mandalore to its place as a militaristic power in the galaxy, as opposed to the more pacifist version that was in power prior to the rise of the Empire. So Bo-Katan really wants that Darksaber, and the only way to hold it is to defeat the current wielder of the blade, that being Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, and that's his problem. He has a former ally now seeking to defeat him in single combat. So things are kind of rough. Anyway, we join Jaren and his merchandise gold mine known as Grogu, which from now on we are going to refer to as Baby Yoda because we all know that's his real name. And they're on a train that's rushing its way across the surface of... Okay, we'll just say Tatooine because while presumably there's an entire galaxy of planets out there, for some reason we keep coming back to this one. So... The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are sitting on this train when a couple of dudes sit across from them and they introduce themselves as Tangerine and Lemon. Lemon seems particularly (gasps) interested in Thomas the Tank Engine and immediately points at Mando and says, you're a diesel. And then he points to Baby Yoda and says, and you're a bird. Now, before Mando can respond, the one called Tangerine says, look, 
we've been hired to keep an eye on you, isn't it? And you better Adam and Eve that we'll take you out for a ball of chalk and push in your fireman's hose if you give us any Bonnie rubble. And Mando says, okay, none of what you said even makes sense. But before Tangerine can elaborate, there's a ruckus further up the train in front of Mando and Baby Yoda, but behind Tangerine and Lemon, because they're facing each other, right? And for a moment, the, the two Tangerine and Lemon, they're, they're distracted. So Mando does the old conk two heads together trick and out they both go. So he picks up Baby Yoda and says, come on, that doesn't sound good. Mando walks forward carefully and looks into the next car up the train and through the train door window, he can see this guy in snazzy clothes and he's fighting off like three or four other people. Like there's a stormtrooper and an IG series assassins droid and a giant fluffy teddy bear looking thing and also a guy flashing a regular old sword around. But the dude in the nice clothes takes them all out by doing this weird combination of gunfighting and martial arts. So the nicely dressed dude, once he has dispatched his opponents, straightens out his suit and then he turns and he sees Mando looking at him through the window in this door. And the guy kind of looks down and he sighs and Mando slowly opens the door and says, hey, I don't want any trouble. And the guy is like, wait, for real? Whoa, that's awesome. Because like, I don't know if you know this, but it seems like everyone I meet and I mean literally Everyone, including random people on the street just passing me by, are all professional assassins. Like, all of them. I'm pretty sure we're all assassins and we're all hired to do jobs on each other. And I'm stuck in some sort of assassin based economic model. It's really ridiculous. I'm John Wick, by the way. And that's how the Mandalorian met John Wick. I understand, says Mando. In my line of work, everyone is either a bounty hunter or a criminal. That's about the extent of it. I don't even know who hires me at this point. John nods. I get it. So, any trouble back that way, he says, and he points back to the back of the train, you know, behind Mando. And Mando says, oh, yeah, uh, two men made some vague threats and a lot of Thomas the Tank Engine references at me back there. But before them, it was really pretty quiet, says Mando. And John Wick nods. All right, well, I'm going to rest here as I have received injuries that in any other reality would totally sideline me for like a week. But I just need to catch my breath. I'll keep an eye on your friends back there. And so Mando and Baby Yoda keep moving on up the train. In the next car, they find Brad Pitt. And he's like, Oh man, have you guys seen a briefcase? And Bando says, no. And Brad Pitt says, oh man. And then he keeps going toward the back of the train. So Mando looks at baby Yoda and says, okay, you're right. We should have taken a sky transport to Moss Eisley. And baby Yoda looks up at Mando adorably and then burps. So then Mando and baby Yoda get to the first car on the train and inside it are a whole bunch of guys with swords and knives and guns. And there's one woman with a snake and everyone is fighting everybody else. And it's just like crazy. And before Mando can even do anything, they've all managed to wipe each other out. And then on the other end of the train, on the other side of this pile of bodies, he sees her. Bo-Katan. The Darksaber. I need it, she says. I told you before, you can take it, says Mando. You know that's not how it works, she says. 
And Mando sighs and he sets down baby Yoda, who casually grabs the snake that that one woman was using and then starts to eat it. And Mando and Bo-Katan begin to close in on each other. And when they're about 15 feet apart, Mando says, "Uh uh-oh, and points behind Bo-Katan. And she says, you don't really think I'm going to fall for that. You don't think I'm that stupid, do you? And Mando says nothing, but he braces himself. And we see what Mando saw that the train has no driver and it is rapidly approaching a barrier laid across the tracks, a thick barrier. And Bo-Katan, unable to resist, turns to look just before the collision and lets out a, oh, shh. And then, boom, the train crashes. Cars go flying off the track. Some of the train cars break in half. Some slide hundreds of feet, colliding with small buildings nearby. And out of the rubble, we see Mando stand up. And before he can even panic, he looks over to his right, and there's Baby Yoda, happily slurping up the last of the snake's tail. Come on, Mando says, and picks up Baby Yoda. Together, they walk toward the little buildings, and we watch them walk further away from camera. And then the foreground, we see a bit of rubble move, and an arm clad in Mandalorian armor emerges. And then Sandra Bullock shows up for a cameo. Cut to credits. <laughs> that was that was delightful. Uh, thank you for the surprise and gift. Uh, I do not have <laughs> any uh, pitch meeting quick mashups that I can throw in there. So did you also watch a bullet train over the holidays? Hey, I watched bullet train on a plane. <laughs> well, two plane flights, technically one from Atlanta to Philadelphia. And then I watched the second half from Philadelphia to Atlanta. What'd you think? Um, I like, okay, funny enough. I liked the first half a lot and the second <laughs> half kind of didn't work nearly as well for me, but, um, like all the tangerine and lemon stuff I loved, I loved every oh, yeah. scene that they were in. Um, but yeah, it, things get so crazy in the second half of that movie that I started to kind of not connect with the film anymore. And that's when I, I, I found it less interesting, but the first half I actually really liked. I thought when originally when I was watching it, I told my wife Becca, I said, this is like smoke and aces, but better. And then by the end of it, I said, Mm -hmm. no, this is like smoke and aces. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really like the, um, the cameos in there because there was more than just a Sandra Bullock cameo. Um, there was also a Ryan Reynolds cameo, which is hilarious because Brad Pitt did a cameo in a Ryan Re- Reynolds movie, uh, yeah. Deadpool 2. Yeah, Ryan Ryan Reynolds has no lines, but he does appear. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Channing Tatum. T- yes. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum also <laughs> Chan- has Chan- a... Channing Tatum, yes. <laughs> Channing Tatum also has a cameo, which is hilarious because... Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum were all in the lost city of D, which was a cute, uh, you know, romancing the stone knockoff. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I, I agree. Once you, once you find out what's happening and, and all of the stuff kind of hits the fan, it does lose a little bit of its magic for sure. Yeah. I, I, I felt like it was so it was building to something that could not possibly pay off. And that's kind of how I felt it all turned out in the end. Not that I think it's a bad movie. It's just I don't think it. it's sort of like when you watch a fan made trailer where the trailer is super cool, 
But then if you really think about it, you realize there's no way to actually make a full movie based off this trailer that would one make sense and two actually build to a satisfying climax. Um, yeah. The example I give everybody is years and years and years ago, some, some filmmakers made kind of a, almost like a demo reel though, where they made a fake trailer for a movie called Grayson. That's about Dick Grayson, the, mm -hmm. the, the former Robin. And to this day, I think that that trailer is pretty good. Like it's, it's clearly done on no budget at all. Some of the acting is cringeworthy, but it's a really neat idea. It got people really excited. They didn't realize it was just a, a kind of a film exercise. But if you were to watch that and really critically think, how would you make a movie that has all these different pieces in it? You would come to the conclusion of, oh, you couldn't. Or if you did, yeah. it would just be a mess. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I'm glad you watched it. And thank you for the mashup. It was wonderful. If our listeners out there have an idea of how they would mash up Mandalorian, Bullet Train, and John Wick. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, and the name should... of it was The Mandalorian and Grogu in Train of Death. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, you should write us and tell us. Um, you can do so on social media by reaching out to us at on Twitter, as long as it's around at LNC underscore podcast or on Facebook and, and Instagram at large Northern collider. We also have a discord. Uh, it does not have many people on it, but if you all join, then you can all talk and geek out about things. Uh, and our discord is also large Northern collider. Yeah. And I'm sure we can put links on that in the show notes if Ariel uh, has time to do that because she's the workhorse who does that sort of thing. I edit the shows and she does the web page. So, and all I the would social. Say you're, you're, you're more of the workhorse. At some point this weekend, I will get all of this up on social um, if you're listening before I get there. Uh, so by Monday, we should be golden. Um, also, if you if you like the show, tell your friends and uh, share episodes and rate and review and like us and all of that. We really do appreciate it. And again, thank you to the people who... Uh, man, I'm just steamrolling you, Jonathan. Again, no, thank great. you to the people who sent us uh, episode suggestions. We are definitely working on those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to doing them. And you know, some of them might end up being episodes that we record ahead of time so that we can you know, take time off for things like you know christmas or new year's mm -hmm. but you might still get an episode that way that all depends obviously on us being able to to make time to do the recordings and edits and all that kind of stuff but we're hoping to do it we're doing this for fun like that's we're doing it for the love of one each other two all mm -hmm. of you folks and three of all the geeky stuff out there so you know the bigger the community is the 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 more love there is to go around. That's ultimately what we're doing this for uh, until you hear me talk about Casper mattresses, in which case then I'm just doing it for the money. Ah, uh, well, that'll be the day, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> until next time, uh, when hopefully we'll be shorter, I have been Ariel, hasn't been hungry since Thanksgiving, Caston. And I am Jonathan Casper, the friendly mattress Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.